All right, y'all. So what we're going to do is start with um, prayer. But while I pray, um, I'm going to get us to turn to 1 Samuel 15. So let's pray. Yahweh, we just come to you right now. Father, you um, are the leader. You are the head. You are the director of this ship. Father, you hold our hands. You guide us. You lead us. And uh, hopefully all that we say and we do, Father, my prayer is that you would do that as um, I minister these words, as we always pray, that I could be a mouthpiece, that your word would be spoken. Not only that it would be spoken, Yahweh, but that uh, the ears would be open to hear and receive. Um, there's so many times we may read different scriptures, Father, and, and things may fly over our head, and then we read it again, and we just get these amazing rhemas. So we just ask that as we read them today, that your, your supernatural eyes and ears and understanding would allow us to, to hear and understand from your word. Uh, so we pray all this in Yeshua's name and allow me to do it in under an hour. Amen. The reason why I'm saying that is because I got these like two little pieces of paper of handwritten notes and I thought I was probably going to fly through it in about 15, 20 minutes, but I guess I'm a little bit more like my dad than I thought. <laughs> yeah, so it lasted, um, I don't know, like maybe an hour and 15 minutes or so, but it was nice because... Um, and it's, I'm sure, this, the very same here in this scenario. The kids work back and forth with, you know, you get questions, you get a lot of input, and, um, and it was nice. So for those who were in the Defenders of Our Faith class, when I asked certain questions, because y'all, like, already know the answer to the whole entire thing, you can't answer. Especially Tanya, where's she at? Is it? Yes, especially Tanya. She, like, nailed one of the questions perfect. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, Okay. So this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm not going to write a title. Y'all can write it down as I say it. But it's basically worship with a question mark. What does it look like and how do we do it? I think we often find ourselves um, seeing worship as a moment in church, a, a section of a service, you know. And while I know I'm preaching to the choir and while I know a lot of the things that I'm about to, um, to teach are going to be um, already basically known, I want us to take a little bit of a different scope and a little bit of a different view. And through some different verses and some different scriptures, hopefully, the point that I want to bring out, what at least meant a lot to me as I studied this, will also, um, you know, resonate and ring true with y'all. I was starting this message truly with the intent to try to maybe shed light on worship, not just looking like a guitar and a microphone and a song, Naturally, and it doesn't always have to be, you know, great drums and electric and cellos, but that it actually precedes that man by light years. So this is what we're going to do. If anybody takes notes, we're going to start by drawing a circle. Okay, doesn't have to be very big, but if you take notes, draw a circle with me. And what we're going to do, kids, don't cheat because y'all know the answer. We are going to make a pie graph. All right, we're going to use a couple of keywords, and while I'm sure that this congregation is probably going to know exactly what my three parts of this pie graph are. I'm still going to just throw it out there. So with regards to worship, just give me a keyword. What's, what is a form of worship? And we can go all the way from the simple, what we think it is. And then what are some forms of worship? Anyone? Just singing praise. Okay. So let's go with, are y'all good with just calling it um, praise? Because singing and praise, worship, they all sit under the same basic category. Okay. So we're just going to call it praise. My left-handed writing might be terrible, but maybe y'all can read it, and maybe I can spell it right. Um, okay, so praise. Anything else? 
obedience than anything else. Prayer's a good one. Hit me again. Work. Okay, we're going to call that a ding, ding, ding. And that's going to be service. Okay, so we're going to call that service. Um, what that service is going to entail is two things. We're just going to mash them into one. We're going to call um, service sacrifice and service. Both. Okay, it's going to entail both. So let's just go with, just because my notes say it more, let's just go with the word sacrifice. Okay, and we can kind of get a better idea scripture-wise. We see just how many sacrifices were taking place as worship. Okay, so we're going to use sacrifice as well. Okay, so what I want us to do is, in this pie graph, just right now, I'm going to give us like a good 15, 20 seconds. I want us to come up with, out of one, two, and three, I just want to get, and this is not a science. This is not written out in the scripture. You know, this is exactly the percentage. I'm just trying to give us a perspective of, of, of where worship needs to be and what it needs to look like. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a pseudo pie graph, but I want you all to make your own. And I want you to make this pie graph with what each one of these portions represents size-wise. So I'm just going to make a standard, a fairly standard-style-looking pie graph and go like that. Okay, so I've got my three sections. I'm going to say praise is this big, uh, you know, big section. We'll say sacrifice is that section. And we're going to say obedience is that one. Okay, so y'all give me your, your concept of what it was. And let me do this. You know what I'm going to do? I was a novice as I started to study this. I, like I said, I've, as a worship leader, I came from, from such a mindset of songs and music because it's my calling in that form. And through this message and through this time, I have learned just how broad that calling really is. So if I were to just kind of come up with my first pie graph, it would have looked probably a lot like this with praise being here, right? You know, this big, uh, you know, big praise and then obedience and sacrifice somewhere around there. You know, we, we got to make sure we praise our king. You know, like, that's important. If we're going to worship him by definition, you know, we could go to the, to the Webster's Dictionary, but it's, it's fairly simple. It's, it's bringing praise or honor to a deity higher than yourself, um, definition-wise. Don't quote me on that. That is just a little reference. Okay, so let's take this and just tuck it away. Okay, so if you kind of filled out your pie graph, you kind of got an idea. And all of y'all's pie graphs are probably a thousand times better than mine when I first started. It probably looks way better and way more accurate. But mine looked a lot like that pie graph that y'all see on y'all's right. Um, so this is what we're going to do. I want to read about um, what sacrifices can look like that Yahweh doesn't necessarily want. We all know this scripture, but I'm going to read through it anyways because what I want to do is like I kind of told the younger ones, when you read a story, you know, you have two kind of different ways to break down Scripture. You can read one verse at a time, super slow, really try to grab what is he really saying here. And then you can also say, what's the big picture, okay? So just in this set of verses, I'm going to kind of breeze through it fairly quickly, and I want us to grab the big picture. While we can break it down further and we could get into some deeper things um, that y'all probably already know, I want us to do uh, something a little more simple here. So we're going to talk about Saul and the Amalekites. So what I'm going to do, what am I doing? I'm going to start at 1, okay? 1 Samuel 15, 1. We're going to read all the way 1 through 23, all right? So here we go, if I can read in public. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over the people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, I have noted that Amalek, 
did, wait, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now, go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all. I'm sure a lot of us probably have that circled already in our scripture, but devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. That alone, y'all, just took me by surprise. And it's hard for us now to swallow that. It, 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 it still is. I'm sitting here reading it, knowing it's true and knowing that we have to obey. But he goes to extremes in some very serious ways. So let's just take that into consideration, all, all of it, okay? So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go. So he's given these, these Kenites an opportunity. Um, go and depart. Go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you've shown kindness to all the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So they, they gave them opportunity. They spared them. Um, so, de so depart from the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah, as far as shore, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Ooh. And devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fattened calves, the lambs, all that was tov in his eyes, all that was good in his eyes. But wait, his motives were pretty decent. So the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I'm in verse 10. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Yeah, that's correct. And Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel. Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul um, said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel was like, okay, okay, keep praising yourself. And he basically says, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, well, we brought them from the Amalekites. For the people, okay, here we go, he, he, he shift blames. Anybody remember the story of Aaron? The calf popped out because the people threw it in there. Okay, so we're, we're, we're dealing with what, what we always teach. History repeats itself, okay? So we're dealing with that same thing. Um, so where was I at? Where was I at? Brought them and spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. We have devoted destruction. Okay, so let's go from, um, anyways, sound of the oxen. Saul said they have brought them from the Alekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen. To do what? Sacrifice it to Yahweh. So naturally, my, what I would guess called mercy, you know, T-Mac calls it a mercy, you know, when someone's a mercy, would think, man, he's got good intentions. You know, there's, there's really good intentions here on what this king's got going on. I mean, he wants to take those sheep. Now, let's, let's, let's try to put this into our daily lives now. So we just had a battle somewhere that's not right on our home soil, right in front of us. I'm, is it easier for me just to, slice the sheep's neck and let it die there and come home? Or is it harder for me to get all these sheep and herd them all in and bring them back to Israel? It's harder. So he, he took effort, he took time, and he took um, his, his, I say blood, sweat, and tears, like in sports terminology, but he, he put work into getting these back for Yahweh. Okay, so the, the motives and the intentions so far just seem so, so fantastic. Okay, so verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. 
I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. So Samuel says, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? So he's basically trying to remind him of his place. Do you not realize your position? You know? um, the Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devout to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Um, why did you um, pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? So it continues to say, and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I mean, he's, he's just digging the hole deeper. Um, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on this mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil. Here he goes, shift, you know, blaming, blaming again, shifting. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the, thing, uh, the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord, uh, your God, and Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord... Great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So he's asking a question. I would almost, you know, kind of talk about what would it be like if you were in that moment. You could almost see and be like, do you think Yahweh cares about? That's probably a lot more of what it was like. If any of us had one of these moments take place, we wouldn't go, you know, well, bless you, brother. I think Yahweh doesn't really know because this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. So he, he lets it. He lets it fly. Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Now, while we all know that that scripture rings and resounds 100% true, that obedience is better than sacrifice, it doesn't dumb down the strength of sacrifice. Okay, so... So let's just understand that the, if I were to give maybe Jeremy's little small rendition of that, it would be more like, while obedience is extremely important, if you're, if you're obeying Yahweh with a really odd motive, or if you're obeying him with some, some, some things going on in the background or whatever the case may be, what are you, you're wasting your time, okay? And I didn't even do it on purpose, but the song, Come Out of the Woods, is all about what are we focused on? If we can't love our brother, we can't, ooh, and we're rolling up in the Shabbat with our seats real long, and, you know, I can't stop and help the guy on the side of the road because it's Shabbat, i got to get there on time. I'm sorry, but that, to me, is what he's trying to say, that we've got to be obedient to Yahweh. Naturally, of course, I'll clarify. This is something like I was looking at T-Mac going, I hope she doesn't think I'm like, you have to love people, and who cares about the commandments? No. Commandments in this teaching, y'all, is a given, it's in bold, it's permanent, it's not going anywhere, it's exactly what we have to do, because they're really still hand in hand, what we're discussing here, okay? So, I took some, you know, notes in here um, that not only is obedience better than sacrifice, but obedience um, takes work. Being obedient, following Yahweh, taking, um, you know, an, an obedient spirit, takes work because obedience usually requires doing something obedience isn't just living and not doing bad obedience is usually when someone is asking you to do something you obey could we agree that the absence of you know let's let's put it this way the absence of a request would mean you couldn't be obedient there's nothing to be obedient to if there's nothing there to actually be obedient for not to get too 
deep, but I'm trying to be really literal on what he expects of us. Um, and I'm like to- totally trying to turn this message from, from eight and ten-year-old friendly to adults, um, which is really difficult to do the reverse. It's really difficult to do the reverse. Um, I got to tell you a little joke real quick. <laughs> I got to tell a joke. I should have just started with a joke. Douglas is good at that. He's always got funny things to say. Um, so when we were doing our message, I said, Jet, are you going to pay attention tonight? You know, we're, we're getting ready for our the dinners. He says, you know, yeah, I mean, you're teaching. I'm going to pay attention. So sure enough, he paid attention to the whole thing. Listened, and this is a pun on Mark, but you can take it because you make fun of me all the time. So he says, Dad, as soon as, soon as our little service is over, Dad, that was great. That was the first message I've ever stayed awake the whole time. Yes. So the goal was, if, <laughs> even if he didn't get any of it, I was able to keep, how old are you, Jet? Eight? I was able to keep an eight-year-old awake for an hour and a half with a microphone. Okay. All right. Let's get back to the point here. Okay. He was being obedient. Well, mommy was probably nudging him just to make me feel good. Um, so, y'all, so we're still sitting here in the facet of obedience. And I think that um, I wanted to bring out this scripture specifically and um, really capitalize on it. A lot of the message is going uh, to turn to a different angle. But the reason why I wanted to read all that is because it's really important to catch those details. When we could sit here and go, you know, you know, King Saul did this, and then he came, and he did devoted to destruction. When you kind of get to really put it in what it would look like right here in front of us, at least it does for me, it really brings it to life. It really makes me realize the potency of the situation, and I guess less of just the story, you know? Um, so with that in obedience, it takes work. It takes discipline. We can all agree. Does anyone in here, although I don't know, people who are shy, you're not allowed to answer this question because shyness is a whole different, whole different ballgame. Is it difficult to come in here and worship when worship's on and we're all together worshiping? It's not. Does anyone come in here and the music starts and it's just like, oh, jeez, I'm Pete. Here we go again. You know, we're about to play a song that I like. You know, we're not going to do that. You come in, you're with like-minded people. We're all with those that we love. We're excited. We've got our spiritual Red Bull in our gut and fizzling. And the thing to me is, I don't, I don't see how, while I know that that worship, that time that we devote together as a body creates unity and, and maybe in many forms is very much about us and our unity, we're not having to be, we're not having to put forth very much work, and we're not having to sacrifice much at all, okay? Because for the most part, we should want to be here. For the most part, we should desire to be honoring his Sabbath, okay? So, so I want to sort of segregate the concept that, that me doing this, although it is an offering, it's, it's not the type of offering I think Yahweh is... is Ah, I'm going to say this the right way. He's very pleased with our praise and our worship. But let's just take a stroll down, down old Merritt Hill with Don Merritt. Here we go. So that man might be one of the only people in here other than maybe David. And anyone else can raise their hand who's actually slaughtered a bull. Actually done it. Right, Don? You've done it. All right, this man over here. I feel like Bob Barker. Come on down. Okay, so you've done it. Piece of cake, huh? Just, just No. No, 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 no. Have you done it again? Yes. No, okay, so that's, so did he get good meat? I'm sure it was organic. It was probably delicious. 
But that took work. That took major work. So what I'm trying to do is create a visual of while this worship is extremely important, while this worship here is pivotal for us as a body to convene together and bring an offering together, if you look back way back 2,000 years ago, you had all the people coming in with their sheep and their goats and their doves and whatever it was they brought in to sacrifice. So they were still together. They could have been singing songs. They could have had a timbrel and a lyre going like, oh, yeah, here we go. Look at my calf. Man, that thing's nice. Look at that goat. You know, you, we don't know exactly how all that took place, but they were worshiping. They were bringing an offering. And the way that I look at it is, man, I've got it easy. It's the way I feel right now. I feel like, man, I've got it easy when it comes to me saying, yeah, I worship. You know, I, I bring my offering. And, and for a lot of us, that offering is our 10% or whatever we throw on top of that, our first, second, third. We bring it. But for the most part, even that's fairly easily provided for. So here, I'm thinking, if I had to go, like right now, and my options were sacrifice a bull to bring worship, to redeem for, my, to, for, for uh, a blood sacrifice for my sin, as well as whatever the uh, free will offerings were that they gave, it wasn't all for, for sin. It was really hard work, you know? And, and I want to see, I don't want to create things hard for us, but I want to see how can I create or how can I have something in my life that's just not easy to where I can really show or we can really prove, you know, Yahweh, I'm devoted to you. You know, I'm, I'm willing to go through tough things, hard things that are less about me and more about you. See, the thing is, I enjoy to sing. Heavens, if I didn't. I enjoy to sing. And I'm sure Rich, Doug, and every one of us enjoy our instrument. So we're not, while we take time, we may take time away from our families, but we're not having to really sacrifice that much. If anything, we're getting to, we're getting to really enjoy ourselves. We got to get to the point where we can slit that throat on that calf and go, I'm enjoying myself because I'm doing this for the king. I'm not there yet. Just being honest. Being very, I'm being very honest. And I think if most of us are very honest, we wouldn't be doing those situations going, I do, this is fantastic. We may not be there yet. Okay? So this is what I want to do. I want to kind of, I want to sort of start to segue out of um, that obedience. And really, we're already kind of getting into sacrifice. I'm, I guess I'm jumping the gun. Um, but I want us to really just grab a hold and take notes. Singing, simple singing, is a thousand times easier, literally a thousand. We could give it more. It's a thousand times easier than the sacrifices Yahweh required from his people many, many years ago when there was a temple, when there was a, a scenario where we could actually obey him in that form. Singing is so much easier. So with that being said, surely there's got to be more we can do to worship him. There's, there's got to be another set of avenues, another set of ways that we can show and prove to him that, that our worship means something other than just singing songs. So um, it's a continual scenario. I kind of wrote some notes. I'm kind of skipping over some things. But our worship should be continual. We look at it kind of like Luke 19. Uh, we've, we've written songs about it. You know, silence the rocks. If we don't cry out to him, the rocks will. So we already know that Yahweh does desire, he does call us to sing praises to him. And if we don't, the rocks are going to. And I haven't heard any rocks yet, so we must be doing our job. His promises are either true in his word or they are not. One or the other. So um, let's just let that have be a little mental note. 
So now I'm going to go to, um, we're going to transition. So right there we're discussing obedience, how do we stay obedient, and how does that obedience um, ring true to our Father? So the focus can be our motives on why we're being obedient, because we see plenty of times in the Scripture, you whitewash tombs, Pharisees are asking Yeshua, you know, what's the best commandment, what's this, always trying to trap him. And these are the guys that keep the commandments to the hilt and, to the, and you know, in the best. And these are the very ones that seem to miss the weightier matters of the Torah. Not that what they are doing is wrong. It's good. You need to do it. But it's not, it's not as potent to Yahweh. It's not sweet. Could we almost say it's lost its saltiness if it's not done with, with the right motives? Okay? So let's let that be the focus on obedience. So that's going to be one of those facets. We're going to start to kind of transition over to um, specifically sacrifice and service. So with that, do I have a scripture here? No, I don't on this one. Um, I'm going to say this aloud. We can't possibly, it's not possible, we can't possibly fully worship Yahweh without loving those around us. Just swallow it. For me, it was like, wow, wow, because I am the the worship team, maybe the token faces that are singing those songs, but if I go up there and I sing that song and I have aught with rich and I'm not willing to get it right, Scripture tells me a lot of what I just did was in vain. And that's scary. And that's scary because, you know, there's a lot of times that things may be going on in our lives with us, our loved ones, our friends, that we may not even know about. And we got to hope and depend that that person's willing to come to us on whatever that case may be. So I'm going to repeat it again. We can't possibly fully worship Yahweh without loving those around us, okay? It's two relationships. We have to look at, you know, the commandments, right? He says, you know, what are the greatest? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. So what I'm thinking is, okay, there's two scenarios here. There's a relationship between me and him right here. I've got to be in sync with him. There's got to be a relationship right there. And if this one doesn't exist, I believe there's a threshold. There's, gonna, there's going to be a threshold between your relationship with him until we can have this right. It's got to be, okay? So there's two relationships, one between us and Yahweh and one between us and us, okay? So, um, so we're going to move on to sacrifices and service. So if I can get you all, let's tr- uh, turn over to Romans 12, 1, or scroll if you have an iPhone like I do most of the time. get there. I put a bookmark there so I wouldn't have to. I tried doing it last time with the mic, and it's really hard to turn pages, talk, and hold a mic. And Romans. Okay. So we go to Romans 12, 1. I'm sure y'all are very familiar with this verse. When I was doing my study, and I wasn't initially when I just saw it as I, as I was kind of coming across them, I started reading it. It was one of those like, oh, yeah, 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 I remember this one. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read um, Romans 12, 1. Then I'm going to jump a little bit later. We're just going to, this is, you know, talking about a living sacrifice, um, messages of, of salvation and whatnot beforehand. So um, let's start right here, uh, Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of Elohim, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So I underline that word so that I could go, you know what, let me, let me look into that. Let me, let me get an understanding of what am I doing here, okay? A living sacrifice holy and acceptable to Yahweh, which is your spiritual worship. Okay. 
So a living sacrifice, I kind of just sat there and I said, well, before I even study anything, let me just ponder. Sometimes we can just, Yahweh can, can resonate what, what he's got there. Not to say that it, it, it has to line up with his word. Not just, oh, Yahweh told me this. But I thought, what a living sacrifice, so it's living, right? It's living. So it's not just a dollar. It's not um, rich. Plants are what? They're alive, are they not? So plants, first fruits, these things are living, okay? Um, maybe someone would be able to debate a dollar's living because it can purchase things all the time. I don't know. But to me, I was thinking about how did, how did Yahweh's economy work then? And a living sacrifice was based off of doves, cows, sheep, ram, uh, fruit, first fruits, you know, whatever the case may be. So I thought, present myself as a living sacrifice. Well, if he's the vine, right, if I'm the branches, then that kind of makes me the fruit. Does it not? I mean, we, he teaches it to us all the time. We're bearing one or we're bearing the other. We're never sitting somewhere in the middle in a dormant stage, although an apple needs its cold chill hours. We don't. We're either one or the other. So I kind of just put, put a couple of those pieces together as a living sacrifice, and I thought it was neat, and I wanted to just share that because it, it meant something to me. Um, but anyways, acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. So I had a little footnote on the word um, worship, and it was just simply your rational service. So it doesn't say, you know, which is your spiritual songs that you sing with the timbrel and the lyre. It says, um, holy and acceptable to Yahweh, which is your spiritual, rational acts of service. So this is not some big, massive, put-on-airs scenario you do for people. It's rational, right? Can we understand rational being just your, almost like your everyday scenarios? How do you treat people? When you see them, do you... Smile. What, what do they see on you that says, that's a good person? Because we don't always get, hey, how you doing? I'm Jeremy. I've been a ninja warrior. We don't, we don't all get that. Sometimes they just see you with your family. Sometimes they just see you holding your son. Lasting impressions. We never get sorts of things. Man, I would venture to say, make some of the most lasting impressions we never get to hear about. We get to hear about the message, you know, and it'll be on there and people will get to say, man, that was great. But what takes place when that message is over? And that's what's most important. Okay, so that just hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm still sitting here reading verse, mind y'all, trying to build a case on worship looking like music. And Yahweh's like, I'll show you what it's about, you know. So it was, it was, it was just really inspiring. Um, so our rational acts of worship. This is what is our living sacrifice. So we are that fruit. We bear fruit. We're either sweet. We're either tart. I'd rather be sweet, so that we could be salty and be, and 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 so that I can, or let's say salty. We could use that term so that we could be salt and light to those around us. Okay. So this is a part of our spiritual worship being service. Service, sacrifice, same, like I said, we're going to kind of hold those together hand in hand. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to jump down, and this blew my probably red-colored time at the, at the time socks off, blew them off. I was reading, let me this, um, we'll get a little side note because it was just fun. As you study, Rich was just telling me this this past week, and he like, Rich just teached a sermon to me on Wednesday, and I was, I think I got resaved. I'm not sure, I got to figure it out. But it was a really, really great time, um, and it just blessed our socks off. And we just got to talking about single-verse reading. 
and how we can pluck it out sometimes and how most of the time it does apply. But when you really read all the way up top, more all the way at the bottom, maybe even a couple chapters before, you really learn what's going on there. And it takes a little more time, takes a little more effort, but it's like opening up your birthday card, you see the $100 bill come out, open, then all you read is the I love you at the bottom. You know, and, and, and you're going, you might have missed what was really the most important part, which was maybe how much you meant to that person. Maybe something you did, you didn't even think about. You know, those sorts of things are what makes us children of him. The evidence is how we walk, how we walk out his core, but those sorts of things are the evidence, okay? So, let's jump down. We're going to go to Romans 12. We're going to jump down to verse 14. Um, if I can get there, yes, that's where I've got all this writing. Verse 14. Kind of there? All right. I'm just going to read it with no preface about anything. Let's just read. Did I say nine? Let me see. Be genuine, love one another. I'm going to start at nine, y'all. I'm sorry. Let's start at nine. All right. I was laughing with T Mac because I laugh at some of these, uh, or not a laugh, sometimes they're unique, the headings above certain sections give you an idea of what it's going to be about. And I just thought it was unique because it says, the marks of the true Christian, okay? So let's just say the marks of the true Hebrew, the marks of the true uh, follower of Yeshua. And it says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. They threw that in there, brotherly affection. There's a special type of love I have for my brothers. Would any of y'all agree, your brothers or your sisters? There's this special bond there, there's a special type of love. I have a hard time swallowing how do I possibly have that same amount of affection for someone that's not my brother. But he wants us there. Our hope and our prayers that he continues to move us and mold us and take us there. But I just wanted to put that note out there because me, I'm sort of a literalist, you know, an exactist. I don't know what the word would be. And I just thought, man, that's, while I love Richard, while I love Mr. Herman, while I love Mr. Keith Mark, it's hard to have that same blood love as you do for your brother. That's what he's wanting from us, okay? So, let love be genuinely with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is a one opportunity in the Bible where he tells us to show off. Only one that I know of. Now, I'm no scholar, but he tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. To me, that can be something right in front of everybody, not in front of everybody. Just because people around doesn't mean you can't love on people. Just because other people around doesn't mean you can't say, man, Keith, you're looking great, dude. You know, you, you, you know, it, it doesn't mean you can't. That is a very, you don't realize how that stuff affects people. What they could be going through, what just a simple kind word does to people, okay? And then what kind of um, stock they then put in you, you know, because they see that you're, you're genuine. That, that means something. All right, let's see. Losing my spot. I gotta, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to do my best to not, not do it. Here we go. Undo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Not just when it's thrust upon you, but seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Um, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. The lowly is not people who are just poor. This is something, T-Mac, I appreciated your kind of little, you know, you put in some ad-lib stuff there. 
but we kind of associate the lowly as just, um, sometimes it's lowly in spirit. Sometimes it's, it's lowly in demeanor. Sometimes it's that person that their personality is not like yours, so you never really go tell them hello. And then that person could spend years wondering, have I ever done anything to offend them? And have you? No, not really. But you sure didn't go the extra mile and show brotherly love that he's telling us to do. And that's hard. Y'all, I'm not saying this like I'm doing it. I know Mark said all the time, like I'm sitting there, you know, coming, not coming up with this, letting Yahweh download the message. And I feel like that old Rocky movie, you know, you know, every, every part of it is just, you know, get in line. So never be conceited. I can work on that every second of every day. We all can because we're all going to have those certain things that we may be prideful in. It's not always maybe your abilities. Maybe it's you just think you're just so smart or whatever the case may be. Never be conceited. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, <laughs> I like this, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I think we can read between the lines. You know, someone's attacking my wife and my kids. Ain't no peace, no more. You know, so we know, we know what the Father's trying to say there. Um, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of Yahweh. For it is written, vengeance is mine. We've heard it over and over again. I will repay as uh, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so, you will heap burning coals on his head. So do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so as we read that, there's just... Boy, we could have just started with 9 and we could have a whole sermon on just 9.14. But what I gathered from it was I went back through it and I read it a couple times. And I made a note. There was something I noticed as I read it. There's 15 statements between 9 and verse 21. 15 statements that have to do with how we treat others. Okay? So let's, let's put it in perspective, although y'all are all super sharp. Let's rewind. Marks of a true Christian, okay? We've got whatever the amount of 19 to 21 is, 10 verses. Is that right? 10? 11. I told you I'm not that sharp. So from 9 to 21, we've got 11 verses, and we've got 15 statements that have to do with others, how we treat them, how we act around them. This is, has to do with the marks of a true Christian. Now, let me add this. If we're doing those things, we're keeping his Sabbath. We're at Shavuot. We're, we're doing these things. So y'all got to truly grasp with me that we're, not, that we're not saying something's more important than the other. I'm just trying to put an exclamation point on in our community because we're so Torah-minded as we should be. We can get so zealous over, am I supposed to have this planted at this day or that day, that my brother's right there going, I don't know anything about it. Would you be able to explain it to me? But we're so busy, we don't even know that they're in need of anything. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, trying, to, what I'm trying to get to. So let's still keep really like a pillar, firm, commandments. Absolutely, 100% important. Very, very important. Very cotton mouth. I'm listening. Amen. Amen. Paul wrote, so what, what Douglas was saying was, Paul's writing to people who kept Torah. Paul's not writing, although he addresses Gentiles and scenarios, he's writing for probably a, a very vast majority people who are already walking in his Torah and that are doing um, 
obviously he's writing these things for a reason. You know, we don't, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not bringing, um, I'm trying to think of how to put this. You know, Mark's not coming up in here and teaching a message. Let me see what everyone already knows and see if we can just have a big amen fest. No, most of the time Yahweh's not rebuking, but he's pointing us. He's nudging us. He's getting us in a better spot. He's bringing us closer to him. So Paul is obviously looking at a bunch of really, really great point, Doug, at a handful of people that while it seems like they got it all together, behind the scenes they're really not serving Yahweh. I'm going to prove it to you, okay? Here we go. So anyways, if you, if you do mark your scriptures, if you take notes, I think it would really mean a lot to different, different people, especially in our communities that may be so Torah zealous and not maybe thinking about others and how to treat others and love others. This is a really great verse, a set of verses to help them realize that out of these 11 verses where he's really breaking down how we need to be, he's talking about other people the whole time. He's talking about how we treat other people basically the whole time, okay? That's really important. All right, so um, all the focus is on others. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to go all the way through it, um, but we probably already know it. So James, James 1, 26, 2 and 9. We don't have to turn there, but the story is about the, let's just call him, you know, beggar, poor-looking man, you know, the, the sermon of him coming in the church, the rich, wealthy man, he's got a big signet ring, uh, big signet ring on his finger. They both walk in, and, and we know the story. One's treated very nicely, you know. Oh, you know, brother, come on up. You know, sit up right here at the nicest spot. You know, naturally, the gentleman who is more, could we say, lowly, doesn't get necessarily that spot. It's kind of like, hey, you can, you know, you can sit over there. Um, naturally, in this congregation, I don't feel like we have that, that problem, not that it's for me to decide, but I do want to say, and it was something that meant a lot, I think, hopefully, to the younger ones, a lot of us haven't walked into a congregation that we're not a part of in a long time, and the feeling can be a little scary sometimes. You can be a little uncomfortable. You don't know the people. We don't know their doctrine. We don't know if there's any pork in the casserole. So it can be a little, you, you, you just, you want someone to come up and go, man, how you doing? You know, I'm Torrington. Nice to meet you. And that, that, that moment, at least something kind of Steve-O was, was um, expounding upon, that moment of kindness that took very little effort to just go and tell the person hello, to tell them, how are you doing? Welcome, you know. Find a place for them to sit, help them, make eye contact, treat them kindly. All of these things could be the very difference. The message could be so amazing. We might be able to sing a song where, like, I hit high C and don't uh, crack. You know, and it's like worship was great. But all those things could happen. But what might mean the most to them was whoever that person was that just loved them. And that person may come back. And it wasn't although we hope it would be, it, it maybe wasn't about the message. And it maybe wasn't about the worship. It could have been just about how they were treated. And that's the difference between, I know for me, if I'm walking up in a place and shaking hands, Doug, that the way I'm treated means a lot. Not that I think I'm anything special. That's humanity in general. People, the way you are treated makes you feel invited or it makes you feel uninvited. Makes you feel like, wow, 
I am built up around those people. Now, it's not about us because we are him. He, he is us on the ground. So we need to be his hands and feet. So instead of us, you know, reading through that whole verse, that to me was a form of sacrifice because I've got to take out of the time that I maybe normally would have where me and Rich are chatting. We got something we're talking about, me and Mark, and going, hey, I don't know that guy. I don't know if any of us other than Mark Morgan are as socially so easy to talk to. Now, a lot of us are. But if we're not, would we consider that it could be something we could work on? You know, I can say, you know, well, my personality, my personality is not to study real deep. I have more of a, uh, I don't have a sewed level personality. I have a personality that just likes to just do what's required, whatever the case may be. I think y'all know what I'm getting at. So even though you may have a personality that isn't bubbly or whatever the case may be, you don't have to go grab the person, give them a bear hug, and pick them up off the ground. Just simply being kind to the person, making yourself available. And naturally, if we have someone new come in, it's not like, hey, next week we're all going to be like, hey, 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 how you doing? You know, everybody's like huddled around the person like, we love you. We're going to scare them off, Okay. So there's a good middle ground, right? Just you greet, you, you greet them, you love them, you treat them with kindness. So that verse, as I was trying to find examples of what that love looked like, you know, what, what, what does it look like? Where in the scripture do I get to see where that love looked like, which you could find it in a bazillion different places? That's the one that stuck out. How do we treat that person that doesn't look like me? Maybe not even my age. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to just be, uh, whew, let's just be super honest. There's probably people in here that might have been here for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks before I even came up and said hello. And I don't have any excuse. I'm probably more bubbly than most. If I'm, if I'm being honest, does, that doesn't mean that's a strength. I'm, I may be aggravating to some people. You know, like, back up. Give me some room to breathe, you know. So I, I can understand that. But that, to me, is, is, just, is not okay. I'm not saying you're in sin. But this is an example of how we are as hands and feet. This is an example of how we show that when the lowly person walks in, I'm about that person absolutely no different than I'm about the person wearing gold with the big fancy ring. And that looks just like me. And maybe he did Ninja Warrior, you know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's a child of the king, and I'm going to love him no different than the next. That's really hard, but that's where we've got to get, okay? So... Um, I'm going to start to create the wrap-up. I don't know how long. My vision's not good enough, and I don't really know how to read Roman numerals. So, um. <laughs> I kind of do. When Jet was relearning them, I kind of relearned them as well. Jet is my son, for those watching. Um, is he awake? Is he awake? Yes. Stay awake. Stay awake, son. Um, okay, so this is... This is um, this is the punchline. It's going to be a long punchline. So we're still sitting in sacrifice and service because naturally I feel like these, um, they have a little more broadness to them than just obedience. You know, we kind of discussed obedience naturally with, with an order comes obedience. And with Yahweh's direction and his leading, we obey. Um, there's not a whole lot more to it. You either obey or you don't. We, we saw that with, with Agag and the king and Saul. So, I want to ask us a question, and Tanya, zip it. 
And really, it's rhetorical. So if you know the answer, don't shout it out. It seems to make me feel bad. I thought it was a really good question, but most of the time, everybody gets it. You can. Do you know why Yahweh doesn't just require us to love him? Why doesn't he just require us to love him? Now, understand that question with, doesn't mean we're being mean to people. But there's a reason why. And why does he, does he require us to love both him and everybody around us? Why? He created them. Very good answer. Very, very good answer. I went a little bit of a different route. Does anybody have any thoughts on why Yahweh doesn't just require us to love him? Bam! He nailed it. Two times. Man. I was hoping, like, with y'all, like, adults maybe wouldn't answer as loud or anything. But Tanya was like, I know. It's because it's easy. I was like, goodness. Okay, so, yeah, that's what I put. It's just too easy to love Yahweh. That's a, that alone is an interesting thought. It made me just ponder. You can ask Tiff. I probably sat in my chair, and I didn't know where to go. I'm, like, in Romans. I'm in different spots. And I have a, where, where do I go from here? I, what am I thinking? Am I thinking? Am I awake? I am. Okay, so we're studying. So, I put because it's just too easy to love Yahweh. But why? Why is it so easy to love him? He's perfect, right? He's good. He's tov. He's all-knowing. He's everything we could ever want. And in that statement, we still don't know what we want. And he still gives us whatever it is we don't know that we want. He's our answer to prayers. Here's what I wrote down. And hopefully this will start to ring the bell. Why is it just too easy to love God? Why? Here's my first thing. He doesn't get on my nerves. Okay? Doesn't get on my nerves. He doesn't say things that aggravates me. His personality doesn't bug me or my personality. The way he talks to me, I better, is totally fine. And I accept it. I don't have any problem with it. Sometimes it's soft little voices. Sometimes it's little nudges or whatever the case may be. And then for some of the younger ones, I told them, Yahweh doesn't tell you to do your chores. You know, those that are younger, Yahweh doesn't tell you you have to go do your chores. Your parents do. Sometimes Yahweh doesn't tell you that little thing that maybe one of your best buddies is willing to tell you that you may need to change. Not that he can't speak to us. We know that. We know Yahweh can put us in line. But guess what? When he does it, we're like, whoop. Aye, aye, captain. But let's put it into perspective. If we're his hands and his feet, if we're an extension of him right here on the ground, then why can't I receive what you're wanting to tell me? Why can't I receive what you may have to feed into my life? It's my preconceived notions of what I think about you that's keeping me from receiving it. And it could be true, but it don't matter. We're not talking about you. We're talking about me. When, how do we get to that point? If I could just get to that point, and I'm sure all of us probably feel that way, then we would be like a well-oiled machine. A well-oiled machine. Okay. So with that being said, that loving Yahweh is easy, right? We're going to totally just shift gears. We're going to take the lens that we're looking through of loving Yahweh is easy, and we're going to shift gears. 
You know, he doesn't get on our nerves. He doesn't say things that aggravate us. His personality is absolutely fantastic. You know, there's, he doesn't cut us off on the road. He never cuts us off on the road. Uh-huh, you idiot. You know, all this stuff. We would never tell that to him. We'd be like, oh, go ahead, Yahweh, go do your thing. You know, our whole mindset would be different because we're receptive. And that's, that's hard, very hard. Numero uno, very hard. Okay, so with all that being said, let's set the stage for everyone's going to know this and probably already be on the page. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Okay, we're keeping in mind, just looking through this lens, it doesn't mean it's exactly right, but we're looking through the lens of loving Yahweh is easy. We're going to hop on to Matthew 25. I don't have my phone. What time is it? Is it 12? Oh. Six? Oh, nine? Oh, nine or oh, six? That thing says oh, six. Man. T-Max like a thousand percent Yahweh on my side. <laughs> okay. So we're there. Uh, let's go to Matthew 25. Let's go to verse 31. Let's see if I can get there. Matthew 5. Verse. What did I say? Verse 31. No, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Matthew 25. Am I in the right thing? I'm in Matthew 5. I need to be in Matthew 25. I need to be in Matthew 25. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at the wrong thing. All right. Okay, so we are looking at red letters, right? Yeshua speaking. Um, and what I want to do is I want to just sort of set the stage. Okay, so we still have this mindset although I've already kind of transitioned to it, but that we're looking through a lens of how, you know, naturally listening to Yahweh, listening to his direction, being aggravated with him, the things that we don't usually deal too terribly with. Naturally, our flesh may not like certain things he tells us to do, but for the most part, as a body, when he tells us to get in line on something, get in line, right? There's, there's not too much uh, back and forth, punching, fighting, and kicking. We kind of roll with it. So let's just read this, uh, read this verse, and, and, and to set it up, my heading, once again, kind of funny, T-Mac, the final judgment, okay? The final judgment. So to me, we're talking, you know, white throne judgment. This is a serious, serious matter. Can we agree that these words we're about to hear, they're very, very important. This is, this is um, while there are some things that are still, you know, mysteries on how is it going to be. Are we all going to be single file? You know, Jeremy, you didn't make a, you know, when I go down or, the next, we don't know exactly how that scenario comes, but I think this paints out a fairly good picture of what to sort of expect, okay? So this is what it says, the final judgment. When the Son of Man, so we know this is Yeshua, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him, he gathered all of the nations. Okay, so this is, you know, we're, we're, let's just don't know how. We can't fathom how you get everything in one spot to where you can see everybody and that they, Yahweh's sovereign, he's doing it, okay? Um, all the nations. He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come. You are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom. Prepare, um, prepared for you from the foundations of the world. 
So can we not agree these people are going into eternity? These, these people, we don't know whether they're least or greatest, unless, you know, y'all can hit me up after the deeper study. But we know they're making it into the kingdom, okay? You have inherited the kingdom, prepared you from the foundations of the world. And he explained something to them. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. This started blowing my socks off, y'all. For I was uh, thirsty, and you gave me drink. I've heard this a thousand times, and I never got it. So hard-headed. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. In prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, they're still a little confused. They didn't go, well, amen. Amen. They were going, they still were trying to sort of swallow what's going on here. I don't know if I I wouldn't be so arrogant to be like, yeah, sounds good. You know, yeah. You know, we'd probably all be sitting there, okay, Yahweh, what what do you want me to do next? I'm here. You give me the order, right? Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? Still thinking in, in our normal, just human, natural mindset. When did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And Yahweh will answer to him. And this is what just blew my socks off. Truly I say to you, this is so huge. As you did it to one of the least of these my brothers. Okay, got a footnote, brothers and sisters. So don't think you can just treat guys good. You did it to me. Y'all. Y'all. At that moment, like I said, let's not forget the pillar of his commandments, and we have to do them. But if I was unable in my lifetime, serving him, walking in his word, if I'm unable to do these things he's telling me to do for you, then every single one of these pillars that I built up are the most shattered piece of glass, weak, useless, useless, y'all. Absolutely useless. I can't even think. I was going to say a blade of grass, but Arnold's going to compost it, so that's kind of useful. But useless. It blew my mind, you guys. So then I thought, well, that, if what I'm understanding there, commandments is a given, okay? I've got to keep reminding us, you know, and even those that may be listening, you know, that aren't necessarily in this body. Ooh, commandments, a given. We have to do them. He's saying that your entire life, basically, from start to finish, if you are not worried or concerned more about others' needs, others' clothes, food, hunger. We can go on. It's not just those. If you're not more concerned about that than you are concerned about your iPhone or your social status or any of these things, then I'm here to tell you, my friend, what are you sewing up to Shabbat for? Why are you walking through the doors? Now, understand we're all in a fallen state. We're going to sin. We're going to fall short. So we need to show. But he's saying, just like he did with the, I don't take joy in your new moons, dude. I don't take joy in these things because you're doing it in vain. I don't take joy in it because you, you're going to come over here and praise hallelujah. But right over here, a brother who obviously needs help, you don't have time for. And does anyone here know whenever I say I don't have time for him what I'm really saying? I don't have time for you, God. I just don't. And that's pivotal. 
can't see it because I got a jacket on, but I got goosebumps and I've read over this who knows how many times. Do we have time for Yahweh? Do we have time to have our eyes open and healed to see just exactly what Yahweh needs? Are y'all getting that? What does he need? He's absolutely 100%, no debate, right here. He's right there, 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 there. Yahweh, right there, how am I treating him? How am I talking to him? How am I responding to him? Hey, I'm going to say it over and over again. I have just as much trouble and struggle as the next guy. But how do we treat Yahweh standing right here in front of us? So with that being said, the lens is different now. So when we used to say it was so easy to love Yahweh, it's really, really hard. Is it? It's really hard. Because we just look at it as loving that first lens, Yahweh, that it's Yahweh. But there's a second lens. And I would venture to say that that second lens is like one of those trick lenses, right? It's all of them together. That we're looking at Yahweh right here, right here. And how do I love him? Because I can sing a thousand songs, but if I can't do nothing here, then they are empty. And it gives us a whole different perspective of what this circle looks like. Whole different perspective. And it's just so stinking hard because, we, because we're different. We, we're, we're different. How does the adage go? We are many members of one body. And an and elbow sometimes really truly can't relate to what that knee ache feels like. You know, Mark, you preached on it. It was so good. You know, I never had enough sympathy for people whose back hurt until my back. And that's hard to do without your back hurting. So, with that being said, we could just say it over and over and over again. So now that we look through a different lens of who the least of these is, we could continue the verse, but obviously it's just then going to the goats saying, Yahweh, why didn't we make it? Well, because you didn't clothe me, because you didn't feed me, because you didn't do any of these things. And you know what? I would venture to say that a lot of them people there sitting there, the nations, that they kept Shabbat. And I'm not saying that you, you better keep Shabbat. There's a lot of bad things that happen to people simply because they didn't keep Shabbat. But that's not, as we've always said, that's not all you have to do. That's not everything he's requiring of us, everything he wants from us. To me, it's the simple um, evidence of what our servanthood should look like. So let's wrap it up. As we, as we look at the message, we put it all in, in context, worship. How do we worship Yahweh? We're obedient, okay? We're obedient. That obviously entails keeping his commandments. Behind that sits how we sacrifice ourselves for each other. We have to understand that each other is hand in hand as how do we sacrifice for him. So when you kind of look at your daily lives, as we walk around and we go about our day, and I'm at work with Mark, and we're running through Walmart, and, I'm, I, and I found myself thinking, I'm not worshiping right now. You know, I'm going through my day. You know, Dad, you're doing whatever you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, it, am I smiling? Am I telling people hello? Am I kind? These are the only ways that I can be a light to those around me at that time, unless I snag a microphone and a speaker and say, thus saith God. 
you know, fire and brimstone. And if I'm not doing that, then I would um, like to submit to you that the only other way throughout your daily life that you can worship him is by treating people good. And if you treat people good, right here, Matthew says, where our ultimate um, uh, life will reside. So it's very important. Very important. So now, if we were to go back like to that circle, right? We'll come down here. Josh, I can't do a my old geometry teacher. I can't draw a circle quite as good as him. That dude could draw a perfect circle for him. But anyways, this goes back to our circle. And I probably can't make it quite small enough. But y'all will get the gist. That worship and praise on Shabbat. And then the other two. Does that make sense? I, 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 I don't know if I can rationalize it any other way. I, I, just, I just can't. Because this right here is actually what entails, when we think about our lifetime, guys, when we think about what we're doing each and every day, and when we think about that, you know, 25 or 30 minutes of worship, while Tyler made a really good point, while it's pivotal and it energizes us and it lights that fuse for us to go out into the highways and byways and be these things, this right there is that wick. You know, and then, and then what are we going to do with it? Okay, so right here is where our worship and praise is. So now we're only going to do five minutes of worship and praise each week. I'm kidding. Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> that right there is where I want my life to, to sit. I want that to be as a body because we are a body that we can somehow, even though we may not truly be able to feel it, we can, we can choose things. I can choose to be sympathetic for Mr. Herman. I've never felt his pain, but I can choose to know the man's worked his entire life and then, boom, has to sit in a chair for a long time. You choose it, y'all. A lot of it's a choice. Yahweh may put some miraculous merciness in you to where you can really resonate with someone's pain or problem or whatever, but you choose it. So we have to start making that choice. Okay? So unless there is um, any adage, that is what the Father placed on me as I was trying to understand what we got going on up in here. It turned into a ladybug. So that's it. Amen. Let's let's let me pray. Redeem.